Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. We are so excited to have on Emily Lay from the Simplified Planner on the podcast today. We are pretty pumped to have a product-based business baby who is totally rocking it so she can bring a fresh perspective, some nuggets of wisdom that we can't really bring to the table. There is a lot of burning questions that y'all have had about product-based businesses, how they run, how they work, and all those tidbits that you are going to find out today. You're going to hear about blogging for a product-based business, the honest truth about wholesale cash flow, predicting inventory, and seeking grace, not perfection. So get ready. We're going to get started. Oh my gosh, guys. <sighs> Today is so exciting. We have Emily Lay on the podcast. Oh, How are hi. you this morning? <laughs> I'm wonderful. How are you? Oh, we're so excited to have you and we're doing good. We're just moving and grooving. Yeah. It's a <laughs> new year and we're ready for all the awesome things that are to come. But we're so excited to have you on the podcast because we never were in the product-based world. We both started in services long before we got into the digital atmosphere. And products are kind of a mystery to us. And selling these physical things that cost money, it's just crazy. Like it's just not relate to. (laughs) So we're super excited to have you on the podcast. And we'd love to know how did you get into this? Talk a little bit about that journey of how did you get to the simplified planner and what has it been like to grow this business? Yeah. Oh goodness. It's been eight years now. It feels like it's been 40, but it's been eight years (laughs) since I got started doing this. I actually have a master's degree in nonprofit management. So I wasn't doing, (laughs) thanks. I'm not, I'm not using all of it at this point, but I was on that track and I was, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. I had a closet full of skirt suits and I was really unhappy and I really, really, really wanted to do something creative. And so in 2008, I started um, teaching myself graphic design and it was like in the early days of Etsy when that was new and Twitter was the thing and like this whole maker community didn't exist, but people were starting to branch out and do their own thing. And so I started making digital monograms. We've run a debt-free company since the very beginning. So I didn't want to take on the expense of having, well, the risk, I guess, of having physical products to deal with at the time. And I sold digital monograms that brides could purchase and then, you know, incorporate into their own wedding invitations. I sold them for $5 and we saved them all. (laughs) We (laughs) saved them all up. I'll never forget getting those first few. Congratulations. You've made a sale. Those are the best. They're still the the best. best. (laughs) They are. (laughs) And so we saved up all of our money. I say we, because my husband's been involved since the beginning. And I went from wedding invitations and to everyday stationery and then a baby line. And then eventually in 2011, when my son was born, my first son, 
I was looking for a tool to manage business and being a mom, and I couldn't find any kind of planner or anything that would help me do that, that didn't have a ton of bells and whistles that left me feeling more overwhelmed. So I created, uh, like I had a binder and I used some notebook paper and a Sharpie and just made a planner and kind of mocked up the pages in there and used it on my own. And it was a binder concept at the time. And it's kind of evolved over the years into what it is now. But it's been amazing. And as as the planner became more and more successful, the other things we were doing, like some more personalized items and paper gifts, we paper and gifts, we let those kind of fall away and began to add to the Simplify Planner line. I love that. I love hearing that journey of product development and and what you sell, because I think a lot of product-based businesses think they have to be married to what they're offering right now yeah. and that that can never change. And if you like right. get known for that or you sell that now, you can't pivot enough. And so right. I love that you kept going. You realized that you couldn't start at the end result of possibly what you wanted or even right. realize that that's what you wanted when you first started and let those things fall away that didn't fill you up anymore. And that weren't like going towards that end goal. I love, yeah. I love hearing that part of it. Do you feel like there was one specific marketing kind of tactic that really started to get the simplified planner noticed or what do you think was working for you? I always kind of laugh at this question because I don't have a really beautiful answer other than the fact that we didn't have any money. <laughs> Love it. That's a great answer, have, honestly. <laughs> we didn't have any money. And I, like, I have a background in, in marketing and I worked for organizations that had huge advertising budgets and you know, we were putting up billboards and doing all kinds of things. And I knew that with the products that we were making to reach the ideal client that we wanted to reach we were going to have to use something different. And lucky for me, social media was and is sort of free. Yeah. There were no ads at the time. Like back in the beginning, you couldn't boost your posts or oh, the you know, old days. ads anywhere. <laughs> yeah, the old days. Before the algorithms changed. But we just, I just really started to use social media to my advantage. And I, I learned early on that our customers were very interested in the transparency of our company and in seeing the behind the scenes and the growth and the journey of a woman who was just like them, yeah. you know, trying to make something happen and, you know, who had a dream and a goal. And I mean, we shipped planners out of my house for a really long time. And I was actually just, um, I'm getting ready for an event that I'm speaking at actually at my son's school. And I was, I was getting some pictures together just a few minutes ago of him helping me put boxes in the, the post office truck and <laughs> helping me put stickers on boxes. I but love it. yeah, I mean, in the early days, we just really tried to use social media as best we could and grow our platform that way because it was free and we didn't have to pay for it. And yeah. I think that our, our community was built that way. So even now that things are a little bit bigger and we don't ship out of my house, thank goodness, <laughs> people still love to see the behind the scenes and the journey of it all. Well, I think another free, well, almost free marketing tactic that you guys do, which I find interesting is blogging. You blog yeah. pretty regularly and you're a product based business. That's what you do. And so we have so many people ask us who sell physical products, coffee mugs, prints, whatever, and feel like blogging cannot be untapped for their business, that it's not going to get them anywhere. So how yeah. have you seen it grow your brand, grow your business? And how do you use blogging as a strategy? To, do you use it to sell literal products or do you use it to build brand awareness and educate? How are you there? Mm -hmm. I love this question. And I think a couple of years ago, I kind of thought blogging was dying, yeah. that it was something that social media, especially Instagram was replacing. And I always go back to the mission of our company, and that is to inspire and equip women to live their best lives. And we are not going to just let planners. The day, I always say, the day that we're just a planner company, that we're just selling planners is the day I sell it and walk yep. away. Because I just, I don't want to be an office supply company. Mm -hmm. And so we are about building community, creating content, inspiring women. And I think the beautiful part when you have a story and you have a mission and you have a connection like that with your customers, the sales, they come, like they happen. When you're solely focused on just the numbers or just driving product, it's when you become an office supply company. Yep. And I don't want to be that ever. Yep. So we use our blog to build, you know, to build awareness, to create meaningful content, to show people how to use the planner yeah. and the sales come. I mean, yes, I think it does help our sales a lot. It's definitely part of our strategy. I love that. Do you still write? 
or I do. Yeah. And I actually, when you said earlier, like, that's amazing that you have time to do all that. I was thinking, Oh no, I don't do it all. I have a team of seven, myself included. And it's still crazy to me to say that because for a long time it was like me and Brady. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I have a team of seven. We have someone who writes all of our blog posts. I, I do still write. I write a lot of our newsletters, like our coffee break newsletters that go out. And then I do a lot of our posts that are more like story driven. But Hannah is our director of content and brand partnerships. And she's amazing. And she helps me with the blog. Well, speaking of team members, I would love to hear just really quickly about that pivot of going from you and your husband, you to now having your team. For us, it kind of felt like it was overnight. Like it was just us moving along, doing the work, wearing all the hats. And all of a sudden we just had these people who were speaking up and doing great things for our business and our brand. Is that the same Mm -hmm. journey it had for you? Did you seek out these people? Did they come to you? How, How did that kind of evolve? In the beginning, it was just me. And then I'm trying to think how this all happened. Gina Halfley is our director of marketing still. And she was my first employee I ever hired to work in this capacity. I did have someone help me in a different capacity when I was doing more branding stuff. But Gina came on, oh my goodness, I can't even remember, 2011, I think, right after Brady was born. And I remember meeting with her at Starbucks and telling her, I am just very overwhelmed and I don't even know what your role will be. (laughs) And she said, cool, I'm just going to come sit next to you at your desk and I'm going to just take things off your plate. And that's what she said. She literally sat right next to me one day while I went through my inbox and showed her what I do all day. And she was like, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. And eventually she started managing our shop and shipping all the orders, answering all the customer service emails. And then I kind of did the backend stuff, the long-term planning, the product design. And it was wonderful for as long as that worked. And then we added one more person because we were shipping more. And then we added one more person and it grew and grew and grew until now we have seven. And they each have their own like they're captains of their own little ships mm-hmm. as part of the company and they're all remote, which is amazing. And yeah, it works. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, I'm curious because you talk about these people helping you with content and are, are they the ones doing the pitches for you to get inside these awesome magazines or other big blogs? Or are these people coming to you because you just have the brand recognition at this point? Well, I wrote Grace Not Perfection last year and it released in October and we have had a PR team that our publicist hired to work on that. So some of the big things have come through them, but most of the things that have happened like Forbes and Southern Wedding, Good Housekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those have just, they've come to us and I think it's because they have seen us on social media and they've seen our customers posting all over social media. I love that. You know, one thing kind of leads to another. So once you get featured in one magazine, another one may notice you and then that kind of happens. But we we are just now starting to do outbound pitches mm-hmm. ourselves. So it's kind of new territory for us. It's something I did like in a previous life. So <laughs> I know how to do it, but we just haven't had the capacity to do it. Right. So we're just now kind of starting well, to... I think uh, that's refreshing to hear because I feel like a lot of people... Hearing that your blog presence, your brand presence, your social media presence is what helped those things approach you or helped those businesses and those brands recognize you as amazing and and the expert and good at what you do. Because I think a lot of people don't see that long-term game of Instagram or the long-term game of blogging. And so those things like are laying a really good foundation for you being a stable business that other people take notice of. Absolutely. Yeah. So on the book, so you you like just threw in like yeah. Oh, by the way, the book <laughs> oh by the way, I just wrote a book this one time. You know what? What made you focus on writing a book? Because you have this private business; it's obviously successful. Was it some sort of strategic move? Some sort of calling? Like what made you do this? I mean, it's not a pivot; it's an additional thing, in my yeah. opinion. But like, what kind of started that momentum? It's still kind of bizarre to me that it even happened. I have, so my undergraduate degree is in English creative writing. And so I've always loved books. I've always thought it would be amazing to write a book, but it was like one of those things you just don't say out loud because (laughs) it happens to other people and it's like way too big and I have three young kids and just no. And it was, goodness, I guess it was September of 2015. I was sitting in the preschool parking lot waiting to pick up my son 
And I was checking my email so that I could like put my phone away and not be on it when I got in. And I had an email from my now publisher and this, this amazing woman, she, she said, we've, we've been kind of watching you and we think that the mission of your business is really fascinating. And your journey to, to doing this is fascinating. And we know that you are trying to create a company that really inspires women and helps them remember that they are enough and that a planner is not going to change their life. Yes, you sell them, but it's not going to change their lives. That It's a real heart change that helps them embrace grace, not perfection. And she basically repeated our mission back to me in a very beautiful way to the point to where I was like sobbing in the oh, car. You're like, you're right. <laughs> like it's working all the things that we oh. say and we do and all this hard work. Like it, it really is resonating and yes. Yes. <laughs> and she basically asked me if I would be interested in writing a book and I immediately screenshot it and then called my mom and cried and told her all about it. And then I emailed her back and I said, I would love to talk to you. I'm just floored at the way that you know, you have reset this all back to me and yes, I would love to do it. And so that started the ball rolling. They came down from Nashville to my home in Tampa and I made them chicken salad and we talked about <laughs> race, not perfection was going to look like. And then from there, they were like, you have eight weeks to write a book. <laughs> Holy moly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how did that work out? Like well, what did you put yourself in a hole? Did you check Almost. into a hotel for eight weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I check into a hotel one weekend, but we actually, we wanted to time the release of the book to be released right around the time our 2017 planners were released. So September of 2016. So it ended up that the book was released October 11th. And that gave me eight weeks based on where we were in the process. It gave me eight weeks to write it, which like every time I say that to someone, they're like, that's crazy, but it really worked for me. And I think for my, like where I was in life and my personality too. So they gave me eight weeks and I basically sat down with Brian, my husband, and we were like, okay, number one, how are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. And number two, how do we do this without it completely disrupting our family? And so I had tried to like, oh, I'll write in the middle of my workday or I'll write, like I'll get up early and write. It just didn't work. So we decided that every night after the kids went to bed at seven, we have our kiddos go to bed early. We, I was going to go to Starbucks up the street. And I, I literally every night for eight weeks, I went to Starbucks, the sweet baristas there and the store manager, like they knew me, they knew I was coming. They would have my coffee, like in a mug waiting for me at my table. And I sat there from like seven 30 to 10 when they closed every night. And, and I wrote, and it just became like my thing. I just, every night I went there and I wrote and it worked. See, you can write it. I'm a Starbucks writer as well. When we have to bust out emails or blog posts, I have to leave the house, get that white noise, get a coffee and be surrounded by all the things. Abby's like, I think she's crazy. I can't. (laughs) I'm like, I want zero. I want no noise. Like a fan is all I can handle when I'm writing. No, I'm with you. I listened to the instrumental instrumental acoustic channel on Spotify when I was writing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think the idea of the book and saying yes to that just goes back to your mission of wanting to provide an overall value for women. It's not just going to come from planners, it comes from the blog, it comes from your microblogging on Instagram, and it comes from the book. And I think yeah. that at the bottom, at the end of the day, if we're just asking ourselves, if is this thing I'm saying yes to providing to my overall mission of what I want my business to do in the lives of the people that I serve? And if right. it's going to help them, then like, heck yes, I'm going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, we, I definitely saw it as like an extension of what we were already doing. And it kind of gave me the opportunity to tell some stories that weren't going to be able to be wrapped up in a blog post or on Instagram, you know? I mean, yeah, I think it was, I think it definitely helped to kind of explain the story of our brand and really further it as well. well. Like, Let's get real. At the end of the day, you wrote a freaking book and just to say (laughs) that you wrote a book is pretty incredible. So yeah, it's like life. Life bucket list. Check. Yeah, check. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I still can't believe it. I <laughs> so I really want to get into the idea of 
wholesaling and getting your products into other stores. You have a phenomenal list of hundreds of stores. And I know that there's a little bit of a spoiler alert or a pivot that's going to be shared today, but I want to kind of go back to like when it was just you, they were coming out of your house. What did that first relationship with the very first store look like? Did they reach out to you? Did you scour stores to see which would be a best fit? And how did you make those relationships grow from the very beginning? And then how Mm -hmm. has that changed over the years? Oh, let me think about this. 2014 (laughs) was when, well, actually, I guess I should back up a lot. I did do wholesale with my wedding invitation line Okay, way back in the day. And I knew when I, when I was doing that, that it was a bear that, you know, having wholesale partners and having retailers, that it was a lot of work. And I really loved it though at the time. And I loved working with the retailers and I loved kind of building those relationships. But what I missed, this is back in the wedding invitation days, I missed the connection to the customer. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I wasn't the one working with the bride and I missed that. I missed having that, you know, relationship. And so I pulled my wedding line, when I, when I closed my wedding line down and I went on to do these other things, I was like, I don't think that's a space I'm going to go back to because I just love building community and having that relationship too much to kind of let that go. But when the Simplified Planner took off and then we went to the National Stationery Show in 2014, after we were being approached by some retailers and, you know, we kind of started thinking about what that would look like. We, I think it was just Gina and we had one more girl, Sarah, who was working with us at the time. We went to the stationery show and we said, let's just give it a shot and we'll see what happens. We were like, if we break even, that's great. We went there and we won best new product at the show in the desktop category. We won best new product. We were picked up by Daniel Richards, their brand rep group. We wrote like, I don't even know how many stores we left there with hundreds of stores. No big deal. We just, no. Yeah. We, (laughs) We weren't. We weren't like prepared for it at all. I can't even get the words out. We weren't even prepared for it. It just kind of happened. And it's funny to be telling the story because things are changing. But yes, we grew into almost 800 stores. We're in stores like Anthropology and Swoozies and, you know, giant stores. And we're also in amazing smaller stores that are run by, you know, women in, in who knows where America. I mean, yeah. it's just been the most incredible ride. Yeah. Like from the largest of stores to the tiniest of stores, each of them has just been amazing to work with. But I started to realize it was actually in the process of writing Grace Not Perfection that I had lost that connection again. Mm-hmm. And I really, really missed being able to communicate directly with those customers that were buying. Like I wanted to be the one in the store saying, here's the simplified planner. Let me tell you about it. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And like, here's my heart behind it Yeah, because it's not just a planner. Like it's something different. So I had this like feeling in my stomach while I was writing Grace Not Perfection. Like, I don't know if our wholesale program is going in the right direction. Like it's growing and growing and growing. And then, oh my goodness. Let me remember how it all went down. Um, I read a book called Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nequist. And I actually had the joy of meeting her recently and telling her just how much this one chapter influenced me. But she, there's a chapter in the book that talks about chairs. It's called Chairs. And she tells the story of this young pastor who has been growing this wildly successful church. And he's talking to an older pastor who's very experienced and very wise. And the young pastor is saying, you know, our church just grew and grew and grew. Like it just kept growing and growing and we didn't have anything to do with it. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's amazing, but it's really hard. And the older pastor said, no, like you can say that you very intentionally built a very large church. And the guy was like, no, no, no. It just, we had nothing to do with it. It just kept growing and growing and growing. And the older pastor said, no, you did. You kept putting out the chairs. And I listened to that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. I got them all over my body. Shake it off. (laughs) I listened to that book on Audible. And I remember it was like late at night and I was about to go to sleep and I was listening to it. And I was just like heaving, sobbing like that. This is me. We have been putting out the chairs. And at the end of the chapter, she said, even though very large churches are wonderful and everyone needs to be in a chair, (laughs) sometimes you got to take down some chairs. Yeah. And I just for like a week, I couldn't, like, I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't, I couldn't even say the words, but I knew that we had to take down some chairs. Well, it's hard to come to that realization because where you were is, is everyone's dream. Like 
they think, and, and it's a dream without realizing, like, do you really want that? But just yeah. like when you're asking, okay, would you want your products in 300 stores? Heck to the yes, I would. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you? And so it's right. very, very hard, I think, to say no to that once you have it. Right. Well, my husband reminded me when we were talking about what our options were. He said, I want you to remember a couple of years ago, someone had asked me, do you, you know, in five or 10 years, do you want to have like a great company, a very successful company that, you know, has its own warehouse and has its own printer and has, you know, 20 employees and your name in lights and making a crazy big paycheck? Or do you want to have a company that's really meaningful and maybe has a handful of employees that provides a good living for you and for them and be really connected to your customers? Which one do you want? And I was like, duh, B, B of yeah. course. And it was funny when he asked me that because I remembered, oh, like we got A somehow. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. But it also reminded me, you know, it's time to take down some chairs. And even though it sounds amazing to say our planners are in 750 to 800 stores around the world, it doesn't allow me to live the kind of life I want to live. I was finding myself at trade shows all the time and at markets and building our entire production schedule around the wholesale world, which is a just a beast in and of itself, because there are, there are product cycles and, and holidays and seasons and things you have to stay on top of. And I missed serving our customers online. So what is that going to look like now? So you take away 800 stores and you take mm-hmm. away those profits. Yeah. What does that look like? And what pivot are you doing to either make up for that? Or are you just yeah. like, well, that's gone now. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Well, we very carefully crafted a plan to let all of our retailers know what we were doing. We did decide to maintain relationships with our top handful of partners. So I think right now we still have about six partners. Oh, wow. And oddly enough, it accounts for a really large portion of our wholesale income. Um, So we're going to maintain those and we're going to try to um, like serve them better and really just have personalized relationships with them so that we can cater to what their store needs are and their customer needs are. But instead of kind of trying to cater to the masses, we'll be able to focus on just those few relationships. And then our, we're going to get back to our, you know, what we're most passionate about, which is selling direct for consumer. Selling online has always been the majority of our revenue and selling in our online shop. And so we're going to get back to that and we're going to find ways to really connect with our customers there and make it a better experience for them to shop, make shipping cheaper. That's okay. something that we've been working on forever that I think is going to be really good. But I have to tell you that it has been the hardest business decision I've ever made to look something in the face that is a wonderful thing, that is wonderful for the retailers. It was wonderful for us. And then say, I choose my kids. Mm-hmm. Like I, oh, yeah. I absolutely at this point in my life, I have to choose these three little ones that were finding me taken away way too much. So yes, it's been a very, very hard decision, but it's also something that in my gut, I really know is the best move. Absolutely. So one of the things that I feel like really drawn to recently is the idea that success is actually harder than failure because failure gives you this opportunity to reflect and refine and, you know, really think about your next move. But when you're successful, it's just this turning that just doesn't stop and you barely have time to breathe and you just have to keep running on this treadmill and whether you fall off is up to you. But how have you been able, especially as a mom to balance, you know, growing this thriving business that as you described it was, I mean, a kind of on accident, like you kept putting out the chairs, but it wasn't, it wasn't that you were like, magically like, Oh, in two years, we're going to have 800 wholesalers. Like that wasn't, (laughs) that wasn't the goal. Like that just was like a shock and surprise. And obviously without doing it, you had no idea what it would entail for your business or your family. And so how have you been able to handle that emotionally and like with your family and what has that looked like for you? You know, I think at times I haven't handled it the best. I tend to be the kind of person that runs on adrenaline and loves being busy. And so there have definitely been times, actually, there's a whole chapter about one of them in the book, but where I've crashed and burned. And those experiences have taught me that if I don't take care of myself, I'm good for nobody, not for my family, not for our customers, not for my team, not for my husband. And so I have to really create boundaries and stick to them. And that's been something I've been really passionate about since the beginning. I don't work on Fridays. I've never worked on Fridays. I save that day to be with my little ones and volunteer at Brady's school or the baby's school, or I call them the babies. They're toddlers. <laughs> I'm going to call them the babies. Still They'll be, you'll be babies forever. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or take, take them on fun adventures. That's my day for just me and them. And I also like, I've stopped working when Brady gets home from school just having those boundaries, putting my office hours in my email signature, saying no to things that are good. I mean, gracious, saying no to wholesale, saying no to opportunities that have come my way that would be great for our company, for our sales, for our revenue, but I just don't have the bandwidth for. Mm -hmm. And learning to be unapologetic about that. Oh, heck to the yes. You know, like, like, no, I would love to, but I can't right now. And that's so freeing. And it it makes me grateful to have a creative job. I know not everyone has a creative job with the flexibility that I have, but it, yeah, I I just have to take care of myself. And that's what it boils down to. I love it. I love it. So if we're getting out of wholesale and we're pivoting and we're figuring out, okay, what are the next steps look like? I would really love to touch on the launching model that you guys do right now. And is that going to continue to be the similar fashion going into this year? So I would love to, for you to kind of explain how you guys launch your planners throughout the year and what that looks like for you and, and why you chose that way instead of just having them out. Yeah. 
Well, one of the beautiful things about being in wholesale was that we really had to get our processes and our timelines and our production really dialed in, like in a major way. So we have a very specific production calendar that won't change. It might loosen up a little bit, Mm -hmm. but we release twice a year and we have academic planners that release in May and we have calendar year planners that release in September of every year. It's the Wednesday after college football starts. Because if you (laughs) ask me, that's when fall starts. So yeah, we have releases twice a year. And the beauty of that is it allows our team to focus on two big events rather than like monthly or quarterly. When we focus on two, we're able to do them really well. Now that we have done these launches a couple of times, we have them written down. So we have a team handbook that is like a spiral bound team handbook. And it has our launch plans and everything written all throughout it. That is our jam. (laughs) Right? Totally. We actually sell a template of our heck yeah on our on our <laughs> site. Because it creating that team handbook was really amazing for working with a team, especially when they're all remote. But we have a launch plan that includes social media and blogs and working with influencers and paid advertising on Facebook and things like that. And we try to like back those out really far in advance so that we're prepared and we're not scurrying at the last minute to do any everything, which always seems to happen. But oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we still work. We still work as far in advance as we can. We have been using social media as like our big push, our big, our place where we really generate lots of excitement over the last couple of years. And just within the past maybe 12 months or so, we've started to really focus on building our newsletter list. I'm a big believer that social media changes a lot Mm -hmm. and newsletters don't. Like email is kind of the same. A friend of mine actually told me, Shay Cochran, I don't know if you know who she is. We love Shay. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. We were at dinner with her and her husband and her husband told me social media is like renting and your newsletter list is like owning. Oh, I love because that. Because it never changes. And I, it's always in my and brain now. And you literally own it. You literally own it. Yeah. yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't change. So oh. we've been working a lot with our, our newsletter list and using a lot of the cool automation features in MailChimp and stuff like that. So That's awesome. Yeah. Our, plans always, our launch plan is always evolving and yeah. trying to you know, really be in touch with the needs of our customers. But at its bones, it's still the same. Well, and checking in with yourself too. We recently changed our launch plan for 2016. We launched 24-ish times for the entire year. It wasn't creating a new product every time. We were relaunching the same one multiple times, but still it was twice a month for the entire year and it was bananas. And we're changing (laughs) that to once a quarter. So four times a year with with freedom to add in a couple of mini launches for things that just come up because that's what we do. But I'm already excited. Just like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> we That's can spend awesome. more time loving on our people in a different way instead yeah. of like, here's this next thing. Here's this next thing. Spending yep. more time on one thing, which is kind of scary because you're putting yeah. your eggs, a little bit more eggs in one basket. But yep. it's we love it. How is, how is the launching twice? I think a lot of people's hesitation is really, especially when they're small and they're just starting is like cash flow. is how are you handling, you know, I mean, if you're building up that much to twice a year, especially as a product-based business, you're spending a lot in advance Mm -hmm. to get the inventory in. And then you're praying (laughs) or doing whatever it is that you do, that it all sells out and that you sell through. For us, it's also, it's a gamble because there's no inventory, but it's like, well, you just keep hoping more people press buy on (laughs) the button, you know, like you're just like, keep going guys. Like you can Mm -hmm. do it. I'll I'll show you where the checkout is one more time if I need to. So how have you been able to kind of a get over the mental block of, okay, this is actually going to work because I've done it enough times in a row to know that this, this is a proven model. And it, a, not only it works for me, but it works for hundreds of business owners or thousands, whatever. And then B, do you have any suggestions for like how to handle the cash to make the whole, so we need the so She just makes it rain twice a year. And then the rest of the year, it's like, we need mimosas for this conversation. <laughs> um, cash flow is the bane of my existence. Yes. It, it's actually gotten a lot better. I would say not this last year, but the year prior was, it was so unbelievably hard because yes, twice a year we would see lots of sales come through in this 
great amount of revenue, but then we had to allocate a certain amount for taxes and estimate that. And then we had to allocate for, you know, next year's planner run and cash flow was really hard with two launches a year. So I think we actually only used to do one launch a year. And then we added a second one to cater towards some people with like school age kids who wanted academic planners. But like 50% of that reason was because of the cash flow situation as well. We need some more money. Yeah, we need like, we can't just have one a year. So Oh man, cash flow. We're finally in a better place. I didn't mean to stress now. you out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. Yes. No. It it actually is really hard. It's so hard for when you're first getting started because you want to have enough inventory to meet demand. But then if you uh, for us we would sell out super fast like on launch day sometimes and then we would have people who wanted planners, but we didn't have them for them. And so we would have to rush print them and airlift them here for a bazillion dollars. And then, oh, it was just a disaster. And once we finally got over the hump, there was definitely a hump to get over. And once we finally got over the hump and started realizing how important it was to save, to have like a real nest egg for the business, to be able to print additional planners or you know, do things on the fly like that. It was such a big help. It was such a big help for us. And staying true to your debt-free business is a huge chunk of that and a huge like, okay, how are we going to make this work? What, you know, Mm -hmm. buckets do we need to move around right now? And I am so proud of you truly for maintaining that. And I love that you share that because so many business owners feel, especially product-based businesses, just feel like they just... They have to do that in order to be successful. They have to buy all of these things and go into debt to just start their business. And yeah, worst thing ever. Hug them. I know. I I will tell you. I had someone. I had a man tell me who was very involved with thing we were doing. He was like, "Well, you have all these people that want planners. Why don't you just go take a small business loan?" And I was like, "No." No. And he was like, "No, really. This is what people do in business. They go and they take no business. No." And I was like, "I'm not taking a loan. I'm not taking a loan for the company." And then I had someone else tell me, "Why don't you go on Shark Tank?" And I said, "I'm not going on Shark Tank. I don't want to give up equity, Uh -uh. but." We actually got three rounds deep into Shark Tank auditions because we were in such a rough spot with cash flow, oh and we gosh. did not we did not want to take a loan, but we were like, well, maybe this is a good opportunity to give up some equity, but you know, have somebody on board that could help us with this these cash flow issues until we can get over the hump. And we got three rounds deep, and we were like, this is not the right thing for us. Oh, we wow. we did the video auditions and the phone auditions yeah. and all those. And thank goodness we didn't do it. Cause we eventually like, we just stuck to our guns, yeah. nose to the grindstone. And we just, we kept going and we're, we're over the hump. Oh, oh. I love well, that. I'm, I, as someone who loves shark tank, like I am obsessed. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually super proud of you. Cause like, as much as I love it, I'm every time I'm like, Oh, like why, Don't. why yeah. Don't give up that much or Don't that's a huge up. loan or, yeah. Yeah. you know, so I cringe, but I'm still obsessed. I <laughs> right. watch it <laughs> every week. <laughs> we watch it to learn things. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. I'm like, what did you do wrong in this situation? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we're experts at it. We've never done it, but we're totally, right, oh, exactly. totally. 100%. <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. We were just talking about the expert terminology. Yes. Or the yeah. other day and how we don't, we like hate the word and I know just no one is the expert. Get over it. You don't know right. everything. Just <laughs> you're good at it. You're really yeah. good at that, but you are not an expert. Right. <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to ask you another question because apparently that's what I do. That's okay. Do. So if cash flow made you cringe, now let's yeah. talk about how do you predict what you need inventory wise? <laughs> like, is there a formula? She's going to like break down in highs. <laughs> you sweating. This is the other thing <laughs> that existed. I have two and that you got, you got them both. No. <laughs> okay. So here's what we do. Well, we've done it wrong a few times. So we've well, I'd love to know why it was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've underordered and we've overordered. And I think uh, what's been difficult for us is having both retail and wholesale to kind of judge. And retail is a, for us, that's selling direct to our, our customers. That has been a lot easier to predict than wholesale because depending on how many rep groups you're working with or how many reps are selling your product, attendance at a trade show, like any, a number of things can affect wholesale sales. And, you know, they're buying in bulk. So, the I would say it was probably spring 2015 
we launched retail sold out of some of our planners because we oversold to wholesale. So it was like this whole other layer of complexity that we had going on with that. But what we do now is we look at our sales for the year for both wholesale, the, you know, the partnerships that we're maintaining and then with retail as well. And then we just try to look at a certain percentage of growth based on the growth that we've kind of seen year to year. I love Keynote. And so I have like all these reports. We use Shopify. That's our platform that we're on. And it creates tons of great reports for us. So every Monday I'm in there like updating our reports, looking at our growth, like our growth since 2012. I look at it every Monday. That's awesome. Like year over year, month over month, week over week from the year prior like even things like shipping in and shipping out and all kinds of things just to see like, how are we, how are these metrics moving us forward? And how can I use these numbers to predict what we're going to need for next year? So it's really hard, but it's something that we've kind of gotten down to a a little bit of a rhythm over the years and in the new direction that we're moving, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot easier for us. Yeah. Are you the one making the call on that? Or do you have someone you kind of bring in to help you make that judgment? I'm her. Well, I'm her, but my husband, he, my husband's vice president of sales for a large commercial insurance company. So he's like Mr. Numbers dude. So yeah. So he and I sit down together. We always end up getting like take out dinner and a bottle of wine and we'll sit down like after the kids go to bed one night and we'll like get into Excel and Shopify and start looking at all the numbers and crunching all the things. And that's like Abby's um, jam. That she, makes she's like, can I come over? Oh, <laughs> Abby, I've noticed some of your, the word choices you've used. I'm like, this girl knows her numbers. She's yeah. got a business background. She's I can tell. <laughs> I love it. It's so good to me. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about it, but analytics and predicting all that stuff. I really, I would love at some point to be large enough to have a business analyst, like at, employed yeah. because I want someone to come to me with reports. I mean, I understand them for the most part, but a lot of times pulling that data is like pulling teeth, especially as a small business owner trying to find all that information, unless it's just like dumped to you in some kind of report. And obviously Shopify is great. We're inside Teachable and we get some reports, but you know, there's certain things that I'm like, I want to know for us, it's like, how many students are we increasing week over week? Yeah. Are our sales up based over last month? And yeah. we, we haven't been in business long enough to do year over year yet. So that's, yeah. it's a little bit of a learning curve still because we can't, we don't have anything to base it off of. We're just guessing, We're just which yeah. is, yeah. and that's exactly what you do. I feel like yeah. in the beginning, we did the same thing. Like our first planner run, we pre-ordered them all so that we knew how many we needed. Yeah to go ahead and print. And then we took the profits from that one and made the next one. And once we got up to a place where we didn't have to do pre-orders anymore, we would start producing, you know, small runs. And I mean, you do what you got to do. Yeah. You You figure it out. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I'm the opposite where I'm like, just tell me like what we should focus on right now. And I'll (laughs) focus on that. I'm like numbers, like they make me break out in hives just by hearing them. I'm I'm out. So, I've had to learn over the years to like become a numbers person because yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not my strong suit uh-uh. at all. Uh-uh. I'm like, I just want to pick out colors and fonts and play an <laughs> illustrator. And yeah. my husband is like metrics and reports and numbers. And this is what's important. And I'm like, thank goodness I married you. Someone <laughs> take it in like a really pretty PDF, like color yeah. pie charts and like all that, which I've had That's her do. do. <laughs> yeah. Like for our press kit page that I was like, just make it like really pretty and like show me yeah. like the little like female and male stick figure people. To, like, <laughs> if someone does that for like our entire business, I'll be like, oh. that, that's what we do every week. I our love that. Keynote report. It's all color coded and in our brand colors and fonts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's addicted. I'm so, I'm like happy for you. (laughs) That sounds amazing. So look at your numbers, people. So we are now into my favorite segment. And so we're putting you on the spot a little bit because we didn't prep for this, but it is our little segment talk strategy to me. So I would love to kind of recap or for you to give three to five, three ish homework action steps that people can take away right now for one aspect of your product-based business. I know we talked about a lot like wholesalers and marketing and blogging, et cetera. And maybe you're just inspiring them to do better. It's totally up to you what homework you want to give, but I'd love to hear your take. Absolutely. One of my best pieces of advice to any entrepreneur is that just because you're good at something or just because you can make money at something doesn't mean it's your calling. Love it. What you need to be doing. So 
Like what chairs can you take down? What things could you let fall away? Even if they're, you know, revenue generating, what things could you let fall away so that you could get back to what really fires you up, what you're most passionate about and what other people are going to catch on to and start buying. Yeah. Okay. There's one, two, I would say, take some time to look at your boundaries and to look at ways that you're protecting your creative abilities. I always find that when I don't have enough white space in my life or breathing room, that I'm not able to be creative. I'm not, I don't have any ideas. I'm not, I don't know. I just don't, I'm not able to be my best at what I'm good at. So how can you institute office hours or how can you make your workspace have more boundaries? So if you're working out of your living room, maybe you could find a little table or a corner of your dining room that could be yours that you can work from. I think, you know, a lot of times we think we can't have an actual designated workspace unless we have a giant, beautiful office. But for many, many years, my office was 10 by 10 guest bedroom. So, yep. You know, well, how can you make a space yours and set some actual time boundaries too yeah. to allow yourself to be more creative? We know some bosses who have some she sheds like in their hey. backyard. And I'm like, I love, that. I love it. I want that. Oh, I want one of those. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually upstairs in my house. I have a big, beautiful office downstairs, but I'm upstairs in our spare bedroom because it's quiet. There you go. <laughs> On an Ikea table. <laughs> okay. What is my next piece of advice? I would say go easy on yourself. And know that like, you're going to fall on your face. We Mm -hmm. all do. Goodness knows I've fallen on my face and I still do. But when you know your core and you know what you're all about and you know why in the world you're doing this anyways, it helps making, it helps you make decisions that are big and scary. It helps make them a lot easier. Um, Even when they're big and scary. I think once you know why you're doing this, it helps you make them. hundred percent. I love all of them. (laughs) So good. Well, before we wrap it all up, I want to know where can we find you Mm -hmm. online? Yeah. Our website is emilylay.com. It's L-E-Y. And then you can also find us at elplaybook.com. We have lots of resources for creative entrepreneurs and some really cool video masterclasses and stuff over there. And then on Instagram at emilylay and at simplifiedplanner. Perfect. Yay. Well, thank you thank you so much. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.